the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. Revelation 12, verse 6. And you know what, my friends? There is a lot of fear and anxiety in America today. Uncertainty about the coronavirus, the future of the economy, sharp political division, and and so on. But whatever whatever the outlook, however bad things get, we must remember that God will see us through it. He always has in the past. Every biblical example that we can glean from, he's always saw his, he always saw his people through whatever troubles and trials they went through. And um, you know, he will prepare a place of comfort and nourishment for us. Just like we're going to see him do for the Israelites in this 46th chapter of the book of Genesis. Let's get reading here. Uh, 46 verse 1, And Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father Isaac. Now, Now remember, in the last chapter, Joseph revealed himself to his brothers and asked them to get their father and bring the whole family down down there with him to Egypt where he could where he could care for them during this seven year famine. And Beersheba here is the southern outpost of the land of Canaan. So he's just about he's just about to leave the border. It's like the border, okay? Be kind of like if you're in um, the United States, he's, you're at the border ready to cross over, okay? Verse two. And God said unto Israel in the visions of the night, and God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night, and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here am I. And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make thee a great nation. Now I want you to pay attention. I want you to pay attention to something here. All right, but I'm going to read another verse and we'll, we'll talk about that. A great nation thing. I will go down with thee. I will go down with thee into Egypt. This is God speaking here. And I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. So now, now think about this. After offering up sacrifices, after Jacob offers up these sacrifices to God, God then comes to him and reassures him that it's okay to go down into Egypt. You know, it, it's always important that we do that. We always seek God's guidance, God's counsel. And no doubt when when J- Jacob was offering up these sacrifices to God, he was probably praying to him, Lord, show me the way. Am I supposed to do this? Is this okay? And then God came to him to reassure him, yes, it's going to be okay. And he even tells him, Now think about this. He even tells him why he's bringing him down to Egypt. And that reason was specifically to make Israel into a great nation. You know, to the natural man, this this doesn't make a lot of sense. Why would God bring the Israelites down to Egypt to make them into a great nation? Why bring an, uh, an independent nation like the like the nation of Israel, and then make them 
live within a with make them live within another nation how do you become great within another nation why not just let them grow into a great nation right where they are in the land of canaan that's what the natural man would be saying the man that can't foresee uh spiritual things well there's a reason there's a reason for that and it is an amazing reason god God's ways are higher than our ways. We must trust him. He knows what he's doing. When he moves us, he moves us for a reason, okay? More on that in a little bit. Verse 5, And, and Jacob rose up from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried, their, uh, carried Jacob, their father, and their little ones, and their wives, in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. You know, Again, it was a big deal. It was like Air Force One, with all these wagons and things that Pharaoh sent down, uh, this was this would be equivalent of having Air Force One land in front of your house to pick you up during a time of famine. Now think about that. <laughs> think about that. Um, this this I mean this this is the kind of equipment, the kind of uh, uh, vehicles that were meant for royalty. Somebody very important. Verse six, and they took their cattle and their goods which they had gotten in the land of Canaan and came into Egypt, Jacob and all, all his seed with him. Okay. Into Egypt now. His sons and his son's sons with him, his daughters and his son's daughters and all his seed brought he with him into Egypt. Everyone came. All of the Israelites at this time. Okay. So, but let's get back to the question I asked earlier. Why would God bring the Israelites down to Egypt in order to make them into a great nation? What's the purpose of that? Why not just make them into a great nation in the land of Canaan where they're at? Okay? I mean, that's where they were going to go anyways, right? The land of Canaan is the promised land. Why are they leaving the promised land to go somewhere else to become a great nation? This To the natural man, you'd be thinking, I'm confused. God, I'm already here in the promised land. Why are you taking me out of here? Okay, here's the answer. At this point, if God left the Israelites to themselves in the land of Canaan, they would eventually be absorbed into the Canaanites. Now, I think current events might have something to do with this, my friends. Just just think about this. I think there are some parallels here. I'm not going to go into it in detail. I'm going to let you try to figure it out. They would eventually be absorbed into the, if God just left them in the land of Canaan, they would have, the Israelites would have eventually been absorbed into the Canaanites. No more nation of Israel. They would have continued marrying their daughters and giving their daughters away to marriage to them. And um, they would have just become another heathen nation. But that's not what God had in mind for Abraham's seed. They weren't just to become another heathen nation. He wanted Israel to become a separate nation with their own national identity. Okay? He wanted them to be separate. But why bring them into Egypt? You're going to find out. Egypt was going to make sure they stayed separate. But he wanted to do this for the purposes of uh, eventually using this nation to bring forth and establish his kingdom on earth. Um, So... What would happen here is temporarily for 400 years, at this time, with all it's starting at this time, the Israelites will 
will leave the land of Canaan. Um, so God can keep them from intermixing with the heathen while he multiplies them into a great nation within the heartland of Egypt. Okay? Within the heartland of Egypt. Now, um, and so I think it goes into this a little, we might go into this a little bit more, but uh, we talked about this uh, several weeks ago, I believe, could have even been last week. But the Israelites, um, they, um, I'll say it this way, Egypt. Egypt was a nation that did not believe in, at this time anyways, they did not want to intermix with other peoples. They were a segregated nation. That ensured, now God brought them there for that reason. Because he wanted the Israelites to remain separate or segregated at that time. He didn't want them to intermix with the Canaanites. He didn't want them to blend in with some other nation. He didn't believe in unity and diversity and multiculturalism. He wanted to maintain the independent culture of Israel. That's the reason they go into Egypt for 400 years. Okay? Uh, Genesis chapter 15, verses 13 through 14 says, And he said unto Abraham, um, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. And also that nation whom they will serve whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. So Abraham knew about this plan long ago, that eventually they would go down to some land that's not theirs. I don't, he doesn't, I don't think he says Egypt there at this point, but um, he says that it's going to be for their good. Now, there are many things in the Bible that God tells us about that are seem like bad things that ultimately lead to good for for our benefit i should say um 400 was the number of years now think about this 400 was the number of years it would take god it would take for god to turn israel into a great nation back then okay and they're starting that at this time right they're going into egypt now 400 is indeed an interesting number did you know that has been 400 years since the pilgrims came to america 400 years. Have you, have you ever heard of Plymouth Rock? That rock with the date 1620 stamped on it? Now we're in the year 2020. So it's been 400 years since those early Christians came to this place that was prepared of God to grow them into, a, to grow this, the people, the, the, the Christians into a great and mighty nation. What's going to happen now? It seems like there are some changes happening. We need to be alert, okay? After 400 years, God might start moving and changing things. Um, and I'll leave it up to you to try to figure out what these parallels are, okay? Um, verse 8. And there are and these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt, Jacob and his sons, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn. So we're merely going to be given a list of names of the Israelites here based off of their individual families. Um, so I'm going to read through these rather quickly, but there are some interesting things that uh, 
interesting things in here that I'll bring out as we read through this this short list here. And then there are some other points I want to make uh, uh, in the following verses after this. And the sons of Reuben, Hanak, and Falu, and Hezron, and Carmi, okay, Reuben's sons. And the sons of Simeon, Jemiel, and Jamin, and Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shual, the son of a Canaanitish woman. Okay, there's an example right there. Son of a Canaanitish woman. They, these guys already, Simeon, already started mixing with the Canaanites. Judah had mixed with the Canaanite women. And God wanted to remove them from Canaanite influence by bringing them into the land of Egypt. Sure, a pagan nation, but a pagan nation that would serve as a as the um, where the Israelites would remain separate within that nation because the, Isra- the Egyptians didn't want to intermix with them, and it would provide a, like a womb for the nation. They would go down as just seventy souls that we're going to read about here and come out i think in the millions okay but they had to remove the canaanite influence that's why they're leaving and the son of levi the sons of levi gershan kohath and Merai, and the sons of judah ur and onan and shelah and Perez and zerah but ur and onan died in the land of canaan ah those were the canaanite sons uh those are his half Canaanite sons. And the sons of Perez were Hezron and Hamil. And the sons of Ishakar, Tola, and, and, and Fuva, and Job, and Shimron. And the sons of Zebulun, Sarad, and Elan, and Jehiel. These are the sons of Leah, which she bare unto Jacob and Padam Aram with his daughter Dinah. All the souls of his sons and his daughters were thirty and three. Okay, now, th- now, now this is interesting. 33 is an interesting number. Um, it's a number that uh, there are some um, astronomical cycles of time that happen in the heavens based off of the movement of the heavenly bodies that happen in cycles of 33. Now, I'm not going to get into that. I'm just going to tell you it's an interesting number. But it was also the approximate age of Jesus at the crucifixion about 33 years old. Verse 16, And the sons of Gad, Ziphion, and Haggai, Shuni, and Esbon, Eri, and Eridai, and Ireli. Okay? Uh, a lot of interesting names here. Okay, And the sons of Asher, Jimna, and Ishua, and Isua, and Birei, and Sarah, Sarah, their sister, and the sons of Birei, Heber, and Malkiel. And the sons of Zilpha, whom Laban, gave to Leah his daughter, and these she bare unto Jacob even 16 souls. Now 16 in biblical numerics is the number of love. Okay, number of love. The sons of Rachel, Jacob's wife, Joseph and Benjamin. Okay, and Joseph, and unto Joseph in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim, which Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bear unto him. Okay, Ephraim and Manasseh were half Egyptian sons, and and uh, it is thought by many that the Egyptians that ruled uh, the land of Egypt at this time, the Pharaoh, that they were very uh, um, 
uh, similar in kinship, okay, similar in uh, kinship and race to the Israelites at this time. Verse 21, and the sons of Benjamin and Bela and Becher and Ashbel and Gera and Naaman and Ehi and Rosh and Mupim and Hupim and Ard, okay, uh, these are the sons of Rachel, which were born unto Jacob. All the souls were 14. Now, 14 is the number of deliverance or salvation. Okay, And these are the sons of Dan, Hushim. And the sons of Naphtali, Jeziel and Guni and Jezer and Shilem. These are the sons of Bilhah, and Lab, uh, which Laban gave unto Rachel his daughter, and she bare... These unto Jacob, all the souls were seven. Now, of course, seven in biblical numerics means completion. All the souls that came with Jacob into Egypt, which came out of his loins, besides Jacob's sons' wives, all the souls were threescore and six. Now, this is an interesting number. Um, threescore and six is 66. This is the number often associated with idol worship and things like that, but it's also an interesting number in astronomical cycles of time as well. Um, in fact, if in fact I'm going to be publishing a book this year, it's scheduled to be out this August, that will go very deep into the mystery of numbers related of of these numbers sixty six and and other numbers that are related to the number 666. It's a fascinating study. Um, so, so be on the lookout for that. That's as far as I'm going to go into that here today. But verse 27 says, And the sons of Joseph, which were born him in Egypt, were two souls. And all the souls of the house of Jacob, which came into Egypt, were threescore and ten, or seventy. So, we had 66 before, right? But if we add Jacob, Joseph, Ephraim, and Manasseh to those 66 souls, then we get 70, okay? And in the Bible, numbers have a meaning, okay? Even how you add the numbers together, the groups of numbers, there's a message there. God not only speaks to us in phonetic language, like words, he also speaks to us by numbers, okay? Numbers play a big part in God's word. You look at the book of Revelation. God tries, God's trying to talk to us a lot in that book based off of numbers. Numbers is a language, a language that many Christians have not studied, okay? Um, and again, I'm going to be publishing a book this August uh, that will go into the study of biblical of biblical of numbers and how they uh, are language and how they're in the Bible and, and even in nature and so forth. But anyways, um, it's, this is a, uh, this 70 is a fascinating number, you know, perhaps um, we're given this number 70 because God wants us to draw a distinction between the 70 nations of Genesis 10 and the chosen nation of Israel here. Um, we also find that the Sanhedrin consisted of 70 people. Jesus sent out 70 disciples, two and two. So 70 has a, uh, has a very significant meaning when it comes to the beginning or the birth of a people or the, or the uh, 
forefathers of a people, okay? Um, interesting. And he sent Judah before him unto Joseph to direct his face unto Goshan. And they came into the land of Goshan. So they finally, they're finally arriving at this place that God had prepared for them in the midst of this worldwide economic disaster, the seven-year famine. Okay, it had only been going on for two years at this time, and things were getting bad. You know, I, I, I truly believe that Goshen, being the land of plenty, being the land that God had prepared for his people long ago, Goshen is a type of the land of America. Foretold of, I believe, in Revelation 12 as a place where God would nourish and protect his people from the face of the serpent. Okay, I really truly believe that. So lock those types in. A lot of interesting stuff going on in the world today, my friends. And Joseph made his chariot ready and he went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen and presented himself unto him. And he fell on his neck and wept on his neck. A good while. What a reunion. Hadn't seen his father in 20 years. His father thought he was dead. Joseph probably never thought he'd see his father again either. And here they are, back together again. And Joseph's dream is coming to pass. He's actually um, ruling over his brothers and even over his father at this time. Amazing. And Israel said unto Joseph, Now let me die. Now let me die since I have seen thy face, because thou art yet alive. In other words, Israel says, I'm happy now. He, he was living a pretty unhappy life towards the end there. He says, Now I can die in peace and happiness now that I've seen Joseph. This is, this is a good ending for him. Everything's getting tied together. But it does appear that, he, that Jacob will live a little while longer, though. Perhaps... Perhaps, you know, Joseph, or Jacob thought he was on his deathbed. But after maybe meeting Joseph and being happy and, and filled with joy, maybe that extended his life. Maybe God extended his life because of that. Um, verse 31. And Joseph said unto his brethren and unto his father's house, I will go up and show Pharaoh and say unto him, My brethren and my father's house, which were in the land of Canaan, are come unto me. And the men are shepherds, for their trade hath been to feed cattle, and they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. And it shall come to pass, when Pharaoh shall call you, and shall say, What is your occupation? Then you shall say, Thy servant's trade hath been about cattle from our youth, even until now, both we and also our fathers, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination unto the land, uh, unto the Egyptians. So this is interesting. Why does Joseph give these these instructions? Well, no doubt, Joseph wants to keep his family separate from the Egyptians, and he came up with a plan to make sure they stayed segregated, to make sure they stay, to make sure to make sure that they stayed separate. So God wanted them separate from the Canaanites. Now God wants them to remain separate in the midst of the land of Egypt. And Joseph knows this. So he comes up with a strategy. 
a plan and he's informing his brothers to carry out this plan because it was that important. You know, um, it says here, for every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. So um, Joseph knew that the Egyptians did not want to commingle with shepherds. So by saying, by making sure that they said they were shepherds, that would ensure that they would remain separate. And also, I have no doubt, Joseph had in mind that this would prevent Pharaoh from probably out of the goodness of his heart, wanting to try and wanting to try to promote and honor some of Joseph's family uh, members to important positions in the cities of Egypt. But had that been allowed to happen, even though Pharaoh would have done it out of, out of the goodness of his heart, that would have been detrimental to the plan of God to make Israel into a great nation. They were not to assimilate into the, into, uh, among the Egyptians. They were to be a separate nation that would have this, this land in the land of Egypt, this space, this womb inside the land of Egypt to, to grow and to prosper. And, um, hey, what a perfect place. That land of Egypt would provide military protection. It would provide food and nourishment for the early church at this time. You might be surprised that I said church, but that's what this really was, the kingdom of God, uh, a, a people set aside for God's purposes. Now look at America. Think of the heartland of America today. We call it the heartland. The, the, land, that, the land where people uh, grow plenty of crops and, there's, uh, and they take care of animals and cattle and you name it. Do you not see a direct parallel between what America has done for us for these 400 years and what Egypt had done or what Egypt had provided for the Israelites? back then um interesting okay all right so in conclusion here just as god took care of the israelites during the worldwide economic collapse of his time god will provide a place of nourishment for us no matter how bad things get okay we've got to trust that we've got to believe that i you know i don't know exactly what that looks like you know, will God provide a literal geographical place for us in the future if we run into a time of trouble? Or will it be something spiritual? I don't know. It, you know, uh, but regardless of what it is, we the point of this study is that God will take care of his own. Uh, the, the Israelites back then, it looked hopeless. They were in the famine. They thought they were going to die. And then their only hope was to go back to Egypt. And then God had a place there for them. So you know what? Rest good tonight. Keep the faith. And stay, stay in his word and never doubt so that you can be a Christian overcomer. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If so, please like, share, and leave your comments below. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, my friends, stay in his word every single day so that you can be a Christian overcomer.